0: What's up y'all? Kevin Kuhn here from Athlete Factors. This is the Athlete Factors podcast and I am with a new friend Angela Lewis. How are you doing today?
1: I am amazing today. How are you Kevin?
0: I'm very well. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, your athletic background and uh, yeah let's start it there.
1: Sure. So I am from St. Louis, Missouri and I grew up Wanting to dance, I used to want to be a fly girl and live in color. You remember nice. the fly girl? I thought oh, that yeah. was going to be my future. <laughs> <right away>. um, <laughs> I ended up being—I was five eight in the fifth grade. Wow. And I am six one now, and I've been six feet one inches tall since I was twelve. Wow. There aren't many fly girls in my height, <laughs> so <laughs> what seemed to be a better fit was basketball. Mm. so I grew up playing with my brothers in the backyard. And one day I was coming out of Blockbuster video. You remember Blockbuster? Mm -hmm. So I was coming out of Blockbuster and this guy says, hey, do you want to play on our team? Like we need more tall girls on our team. And I said, of course, thinking that I could really play. And I get there and these girls are going like behind the back, between the legs. (laughs) As you're in headlights, like I've never seen young women play like this. And they were my age, and I mean, you know what it's like being new at anything. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So it was really hard. And the other thing that's really hard is when you're tall, people expect you to be good (laughs) immediately, (laughs) not the case. So, you know, Mm -hmm. you get over that, and mom's telling me how great I am when I know she was not telling the truth. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I just kept playing. So you know, like anything, you keep working at it, you get better. You don't complain. You keep trying. And mm-hmm. I was blessed with a full athletic scholarship to Saint Louis University, NCAA Division One. And then I played overseas. Then I came back and started coaching. And I coached high school basketball, and college basketball, Division One, Division Three, and professional. Saint Louis has a professional team, um, the Saint Louis Surge, and so I coached with them as well.
0: So nice. So you've yeah. got you've got experience in, in basically every aspect of the sport, which um, I think is excellent. I think it's really good to have not just okay, so I, I wanted to coach professional track and field
1: mm-hmm. and
0: it wasn't it wasn't until I got to see what coaching professional track and field was like that I was like, uh, eh, this is not for me. So right. Like, it's really good that you've got, you know, you've got high school experience, you've got mm-hmm. different college experience, you've got professional experience. That lends itself, I think, to so many more valuable lessons for the athletes that you work with, knowing that, you know, you can you can work on the fundamentals with a high school athlete. You can work with on the fundamentals with a professional athlete. Like, it doesn't get away from that. So, it does. Um, so, and then, because, like you said... It, the, the talent portion maybe didn't come naturally for you. You had to work on that. Like, I think those are the, those are the coaches that make the most impact where it it doesn't come naturally. Right. Because I
1: agree. Yeah. Because I don't write off a kid if they're not great when they're nine, you know, it's like you, we have to, as coaches allow young people to develop, their game and develop love and maturity in the game and understanding. It mm-hmm. takes, I mean, that's a lot of stuff happening on the basketball court from offense to defense to plays and rebounding. There's a lot of little things. And a lot of times we want kids to get it immediately. Sometimes it takes years for that kids to figure out how to do that layup. Mm. And that's okay. The nature of growth and development.
0: Yeah. And every, like you said, everybody's going to develop, at a different rate, and you can't expect everybody to pick up a, a complex movement skill all at the same time. So some, some kids just have it, and
2: yeah. that's
0: really nice. Uh, some kids don't have it, but that no, doesn't mean that they won't be able to get it.
1: Exactly, and it doesn't mean that they can't just play for fun. We, mm. We've grown into this like high-pressure sports youth sports culture, Mm -hmm. Some kids don't want to play college ball. They just want to be able to shoot a jump shot or make some threes because that is fun. (laughs) That's for sure. That's cool. Just let the kid make some threes and play on rec league teams. You know, they don't have to play select ball.
0: That's cool. Right. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about um, what it was like playing professionally overseas. Uh,
1: Amazing. It was so great to be immersed in another culture. So I was in Germany, and and I grew up in the city of St. Louis, right? So I hadn't seen or heard anything remotely German besides sauerkraut. Like, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> that was all. That was in the house occasionally, and I didn't understand. My dad would put it on bras. Anyway, um, so I go mm-hmm. to Germany, and they have this intricate train system like they do all over Europe, which we don't have in the Midwest. <laughs> so I'm mm-hmm. navigating that. And really seeing how sports has a way of bringing people together from all different cultures. Someone on my team was from Poland, Romania, Russia, of course, the Germans. And it was, it was really eye-opening mm. and um, formative, incredibly formative to who I am today.
0: For sure. So what, what do you think was the most valuable thing you learned outside of sport uh, living overseas?
1: I can make it anywhere. Mm. Drop me anywhere. Look, I'm 37, so this is pre-WhatsApp, pre Skype, <laughs> pre-Facebook, you know. I was yeah. dialing up with my webcam, trying to see my family and friends and not use up all of my minutes, you know. Mm-hmm. This is early technology days. So I, I developed this comfort to know that it doesn't matter where I am on earth. i would be all right.
0: I'll be all right. Be all right. I yeah. think that's that's such an important, like... I think everybody has that, but not everybody is put in a position or puts themselves in a position where they have to be uncomfortable to see how resilient they are. Sure. Yep. The discomfort is real. Yes. was real. Yeah. Like, it's not fun going to a place where you don't know anybody. No. But you learn to be much more Mm self-reliant. And I think ultimately, like... That allows you to be comfortable by yourself, that allows you to be comfortable with other people. And ultimately, like, I think that helps you, it helps you figure out who you are a little bit better. So
1: it really does. And you develop, a, you have to develop a really high level of comfort with your thoughts when you're in a car full of people and no one's speaking English. <laughs> and you have no clue what they're saying. We're on the road to games. And I'm just like, you're not texting anyone because we had analog cell phones, right? So you're just sitting there, like, "Mm, hey Angie, like, how are you feeling? You know,
0: (laughs) (laughs) having a conversation with yourself, yeah.
1: Become one with yourself. The oneness gets real.
0: For sure. (laughs) That's good. No, that's. I think it's so important for everyone, especially here in the U.S. If possible, try to travel overseas. Try to spend some time outside of your comfort zone where you don't have everything you know uh, a phone call or a text message away like figure stuff out like walk down the street where you don't where you don't know anybody and nobody speaks the language and tr- try to figure out how to go somewhere try to figure out how to buy something like you'll
1: it is humbling yes is So humbling. no one cares about your degrees or how much money mm-hmm. you have or don't yep. have like you it is really humbling yeah when I got to the airport in Frankfurt, I went to baggage claim, and I'm waiting for my bag, and it, it doesn't show up. No bag. 21 years old in Germany, no bag. So I go over to the lady at British Airways, and I'm like, you know, I'm talking, I'm trying to explain to her that my bag isn't there, and she doesn't speak English. <laughs> she looks at me and starts speaking German. I cannot make this up. She looks at me, and like, all I have is english loud and slow you know how mm-hmm. you know how we do if you figure he's slower and louder like she'll understand he knows <laughs> <laughs> that didn't work <laughs> I saw some really kind man who spoke english and german came mm-hmm. and, um, and helped us navigate that conversation the cultural exchange mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um my back was still lost and Shoot. i remember going into the bathroom and i cried i bawled like a baby i'm like i'm in this other country, I don't know anyone other than my agent who I had to figure out how to get to mm-hmm. from the airport. Um, and then, and then like, in a minute, I literally said, "Suck it up. No one made you come over here. Like figure it out." Mm-hmm. I had to check myself. There was like, there was literally nobody to call to help. So you, you figure it out.
0: You figure it out.
1: Yeah, and I'm glad I lost my bag because getting on and off in the trains would have been a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> if I had that
0: big bag, so it it's just way easier.
1: It was blessing yeah. in disguise. Who knew?
0: Right. You can always get more stuff.
1: Yeah, I had to borrow some random people clothes, but it works. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, like in the moment, I'm sure that was frustrating. Oh. But now, like you have much better perspective. Now you're like, man, like you said, that's a blessing. Like how convenient. So
1: look, I don't even need anyway. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you realize you don't need a whole lot. Yeah. If everything you have you take to another country and then it's lost. Shit, and then you you're okay. You're like, "Oh, I've been stressing about stuff that literally doesn't matter."
0: Yeah. It's true. That's that reminds me. So, uh my parents were missionaries, so <laughs> we moved to the Philippines when I was 6. And we wow. Yeah, we were living in a house that our mission agency kind of like rented or owned, I don't know how that worked, but uh, we were only there maybe a month or two. My parents were looking for a house for us to live in, and and so we're staying at this mission house. And one morning we're getting ready to leave for school, and like six or seven guys rush in when we open the gate to leave, and they had guns and they robbed us. And I know, crazy, right? We'd only been there, like, a month. Oh, and wow. so they took, you know, my dad's wallet. They took – they ended up not taking much of our stuff because they thought we were living in the upstairs apartment, and we were staying downstairs, and they thought it was just storage downstairs. So, long story short, they took my sister's – like, they took one of her necklaces, and they took her bag, and they took my brother's bag, and – and yeah, it's, like, wow. culture, ultimate culture shock. Mm-hmm. But then you realize, like, okay, like we could go home, we could go back to the states, or we can just figure it out. Like, this is this could have happened at our house. It could have. Yep. Here in the U.S., right? So you just like, all right, that hurdle's out of the way. It's got to be smooth sailing from here on out. So. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: it has so the, to be scary.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like at the time, I think I was young enough where I was just like. Just Mm -hmm. take it on. I wasn't that scared. But like now looking back, I'm like, that was that could have been bad. That could have been really bad. But the next seven years, all awesome memories. And
1: that that seems to be like a trend or I guess like the nature of life. You get tested, like no, no matter what it is, when you set out to do something special, amazing, remarkable and new. You get there, because I, I, I don't even know, like, why this is, but this is just how it's been for my life. Like, you get there, and then when you get, when you work to get there, immediately, you get tested to see if you really want this shit or not. Yeah. It's something that throws you off, is unexpected, it rocks your core, and you're like, I to go back, like you said, or I can keep going.
0: For sure. Yeah. There's going to be tests. There's going to be hurdles. There's going to be it's it, I think parts of our mind are always looking for reasons to go back to what feels safe and comfortable. Yes. Yeah. But like something amazing is just beyond that if you're willing to push through it.
1: For sure. Yep. So true. I've had to force myself out of the bed this morning <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like feet on the ground. No snooze.
0: Get your yeah. feet to the floor. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, that's that's a serious struggle sometimes. Sometimes okay. you just want to lay in bed. I totally get that. Yep. That was me this morning. I hit this news a couple times. So but I was yeah. like, my clients are not gonna be happy if they're if they're knocking on the door and I'm not already in here, <laughs> the lights on and the workout set up, ready for them to go. So um so uh, really interesting kind of how how we set this up. So if you will, explain just a little bit of, of how this whole conversation really really got started.
1: Well, it started when I was in Germany. <laughs> so I <laughs> had to get used to talking to people I didn't know.
0: Mm-hmm. So I developed
1: this comfort, <laughs> which is like reaching out to people. Mm-hmm. So I was researching different podcasts and – Wanted to talk to people who were connected to athletes or sports or had interesting conversation about athletes and sports, and so I just sent you an email and said, "Hey, this is who I am. Here's my background. Do you want to chat? What's your process for booking guests on your podcast?" And I, um, we set up a time to talk. I didn't call you. I missed that appointment. (laughs) 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 Yes. But thankfully, you emailed me a couple of days ago and said, hey, are you okay? Which I thought was really kind. Like, I felt like you didn't know me, but you were concerned because you know I'm diligent. You could tell that I'm diligent. And so I was like, hey, yeah, I'm still alive. I'm great. (laughs) Can you talk today? We talked that day and then set up this early morning call and here we are.
0: Yeah. So I think... uh... Just reaching out like you did, like i uh this is basically the second or third time that that's happened where like i I have no idea what my reach is with this, like I'm not doing this to to try to get famous, like I just want to have conversations with people who want to talk about athletics about sports, about anything related to that, and so uh, I was super excited when I got the email from you, I was like. All right. This is cool. Like this is, this is exactly what I want. People, you know, people that want to have these conversations. So I'm so glad that you emailed me. Um, like I hope other people watching this or listening to this kind of follow your cue. And so that I can continue to have, you know, these amazing conversations and make new friends and make new connections and, um, and ultimately bring high quality content to, you know, to kids who want to play sports, you know, either at the college level or or professionally. So that kind of segues us into the next thing that I'd love to discuss, which is um, the college recruiting process. So tell us a little bit about that and how that worked for you. And, and yeah.
1: Sure. So I received my first letter from a university when I was in the eighth grade. Wow. I'm 6'1". What i learned as a college coach, if there's a six 8th grader, you put her on the list. and You send her mail as soon as possible. You don't care. I've like, only been playing a year. I promise you I wasn't that good. Like, I'm confident of that. But you don't let a six one kid pass without putting, putting her name on the list, minimally. So mm-hmm. I got on the University of Memphis' list. They sent me a questionnaire. I didn't even have information to fill out. But that moment really led me to believe that playing college ball was possible, but mm-hmm. it wasn't this goal that I've had since I was eight. No, I wanted to be a fly girl like on Olympic college. <laughs> so so, so I, I then began I got better. obviously, I played Division one basketball, so I stayed. That really shifted my um. Understanding of level of commitment, the necessary commitment, and mm-hmm. really pushed me to want to be better. And I, after a couple of years, I shifted my select team to a team that was more competitive. Like everybody played college basketball, Division One or Division Two, or high-level D three, mm-hmm. and um, had some really good coaches who helped me. However, my situation was kind of an anomaly, right? Only one percent of high school athletes play. De- college basketball i'm sorry only one percent of high school athletes play ncaa division one sports Mm -hmm. so that was an anomaly and then once i started coaching college ball parents started asking questions and so i went i've gone on this journey to really figure out how can we best help parents feel empowered through the process Mm -hmm. and feel like they have some level of influence and control they can lead the process opposed to feeling like they're at the whim of college coaches. Mm. There's a lot of young people who miss opportunities because parents just don't know, or their high school coaches never had an athlete who could play at their level. So they don't necessarily have the tools to guide them. Mm-hmm. So here's what I did. I surveyed 100 parents who have daughters that play basketball, 100 parents. And the feedback was incredible. The, A few really big ahas was that only 20 percent of parents reported that they feel prepared, very prepared to help their daughter with the college recruiting process. Wow. Only 20 percent, which might be more like 15 percent, you know, really understanding the intricacies of the process. So that Mm -hmm. really fueled my desire to share um, more about what I've learned and, and some things that parents can do.
0: Gotcha. So one of the things that, that we chatted about, you know, on our phone call was my college recruiting experience was extremely limited. Like I, I kind of already knew where I wanted to go to school, where I wanted to run. And, um, I got letters from some other schools, but like in my mind, I had already I had already determined what, what was going to happen. So I didn't really talk to any other coaches. I didn't really look into any other programs. So um, what what do you recommend a high school athlete do to make sure that they're not kind of limiting themselves to just one program?
1: That's my favorite question. So there are five phases Of the college recruitment process. (laughs) Five phases that I've come up with based on what I've talked to parents about. The first phase is assessment. So you need to assess a few different things. Assess your academics to make sure, you know, there's academic requirements. Assess your physical body. Overuse injuries are happening quite often now. So a young person may want to play college ball, but if they've already had three ACL tears, that might not be wise.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Assess your love for the game to determine if it's something you really want. And then assess your mental and emotional well-being. That's important. So we do this assessment then you come up with a plan, right? So if your child is having trouble, like overcoming stressful situations, maybe see a sports psychologist or a therapist just mm-hmm. to get tools, mm-hmm. you know, just to give him or her some tools because they'll need them. If your child really never asks to go to the gym, then they probably don't love the game. And that's okay, you know, if they only want to play once or twice a week, that's okay, mm-hmm. no no shade, just let that baby play a couple times a week, but don't put them on a select team and pay $5,000 over the course of the year. You're gonna be upset <laughs> because you're not gonna get a return on that investment. Um, <laughs> Not gonna be a good look, Mom. So so then you come up with a plan, right? Based on what we assess, the grades. And then the discovery process the um it's the discovery process, right? It's collecting data. <laughs> so I encourage, I highly encourage to your point, players and families going on unofficial visits, just visiting schools. You can start with schools in your area. Mm-hmm. So here in St. Louis there's division one, division two, II, division three schools, NAIA, junior colleges. Even if you're not necessarily interested in that particular school, it still gives you something to compare other schools to when you go out and see them. So get on campus. You might be surprised. You actually might like it. Mm-hmm. And stop don't only listen to people who tell you, Well, everyone has their opinion. Like see it for yourself is my point. Some people are, like, oh, I don't like that school because they have whatever. I heard not like do your own research and get your own experiences mm-hmm. to make informed decisions. And then you evaluate them all based on you. So if you know that your child cannot be in a 40,000 student campus because they're going to get lost and they need more like individual guidance, then maybe a smaller school is better.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then make your decision based on like what your kid needs and what's best for them opposed to, what other people are going to think about the prestige of the school. No, no, no one really cares.
0: Yeah. I think that's, it's so easy to get caught up in like, oh, my, my kid has to go to the best program. Mm-hmm. And then the really important stuff, like, you know, like, well, what do they want to study? And
2: mm-hmm.
0: are there tools set up to make sure that they're successful as a student first? Because, very few like you said, one percent of all high school athletes then go on to play division one sports. Well, like what's the percentage of, of division one athletes that go on to play professionally? That's like probably another one percent, right? So
2: um,
0: you're gonna be a professional at something and it's probably not gonna be sports. So making sure that you're finding a you know, a school that's gonna ensure that you're successful, not just on the court, but also, you know, with yeah. whatever degree you have. I think that's, that gets overlooked a little bit, so. <laughs>
1: yeah, it does, it gets overlooked a lot. It gets overlooked so much. Yeah. There there are um, a number of things in addition to, like, having a major, such as the alumni, like, the alumni program. Mm. you're just going to have to be connected to like, you'll be connected to the university forever and you could leverage some of those resources to, you know, help with, with life.
0: For sure. Yeah. I mean, without that, uh, without that network base, sometimes Mm -hmm. it can be hard to get your foot in the door to get, you know, job interviews or, you know, whatever the case may be. So yeah. Taking full advantage of that. If you're going to a school where, um, Where you're viewing playing a sport as a job, and you don't love it, then you're probably going to get burned out. And if you're not, uh, if you're not making those connections, then at the end, you've got a degree and you've got, you know, nowhere to go. So (laughs) leverage it for sure. Absolutely. So that's not what I did at all. So let me be
1: clear. I am not speaking from experience, here, but I understand <laughs> the value now. At 37. <laughs> no,
0: anyway, no. Some lessons are best learned the hard way. Yes. <laughs> right? so, then you only have to learn it once. <laughs> <So>. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> so, what uh, what are some of the other uh, really common questions that you either get from athletes or that you get mm-hmm. from parents?
1: One common question is, how do you know if a coach is really interested in you?
0: Mm. How do you
1: know if the coach is interested in your child? Mm-hmm. You know, It's kind of like dating, right? When you first meet someone, they're great. You see all of the good qualities in them. And then over time, you start seeing things that you may not find as appealing. <laughs> and then you have to decide if you're going to ride this thing out. And, or if they meet someone else, Like that's a possibility as well, that they might <laughs> find someone that they like better than you. And
0: so <laughs> 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 things and just got happens. real.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it happens so yeah, so they may be so like, coaches may be interested initially, mm-hmm. but just like you're just like they are recruiting talent you're also looking at other schools and it's pretty naive to expect coaches to only want to talk to your child mm-hmm. and not other kids mm-hmm. so so how do you know if they're interested well if they say if they literally say we are interested no don't make assumptions about that they're interested just because you saw them at one game if they say that they're interested if By the time your daughter's a junior, if we're talking about division one, if they can, if they call, if they contact your coach to come to your high school practices and our games, if they write you letters. So there's communication is how you can gauge interest. The amount of communication that the coach has with your high school coach and are with you determines the level of interest.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So it's not just oh, hey, I got a letter from this school, and it's super generic, and they're just saying, hey, you should consider our athletic program. Like, that doesn't mean they're interested. That, that's just – you were on a list of 1,000 kids, and you all yeah. got the same letter. So, but that, exactly. does, that doesn't mean don't follow up with that necessarily, right?
1: Oh, my gosh. Follow up is everything. I was talking to um, – I'm looking for my charger so my battery doesn't <laughs> I was talking <laughs> to um, a college coach and they were saying how they'll text a parent or or they'll ask a kid to contact them and the kid won't contact them. So they just assume they're not interested and they move on to the next person. So if they reach out and you're remotely interested, reach back. You know, it's like when that guy calls you and you're like, oh, I kind of like him, but I don't really know. Like, call the guy back. You just call You know? <laughs> You don't know, commit your whole life away, you know, in one conversation. You're not gonna right. any, not gonna marry them in one conversation, I hope. But you know, <laughs> the same thing with colleges. Just get to know them.
0: Yeah. yeah this, them. You've gotta be able to to have you've gotta see if there's some uh, some level of connection. Like that doesn't mean you gotta like you said, that doesn't mean you gotta be like you don't divulge your whole life story to them. Mm-hmm. But you've got to see, like, okay, can I can I effectively communicate with this person? Exactly. Um, if you're not able to communicate before you're getting coached, mm-hmm.
2: how
0: are you going to communicate when things, you know, if you're having a bad practice and your coach kind of comes down on you, like, are you going to view that as constructive criticism? Or are you going to view that as, like, oh, he's singling me out and he doesn't mm-hmm. like me or she doesn't like me and, you know, so... Right.
1: And, you know, the other thing, Kevin, is that it's important that players make decisions on their school on things in addition to coaching because Mm. the coach may leave. That happens pretty regularly Mm -hmm. and players never really expect it It catches them off guard. And so you just have to know that there's more to the university beyond what's happening on the court.
0: For sure. Wow. That's yeah. That's another thing that we don't really think about too often. It's like, no, like things are concrete. This coach is gonna be here forever. Um doesn't always happen. No, it
1: doesn't. I remember the first time one of my the first time one of my coaches left, I was so disappointed. Like I couldn't believe that they decided to do something else for their life. Hmm. And then um when I coached college ball, I left a lot and I was like, oh, I get it. I see that people leave.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's coaching is especially in in college like it can be really tough because when things go well, then, you know, other schools will will probably try to <laughs> recruit you like, "Hey, why don't you come to this yeah. bigger school? You get a bigger paycheck. You get all these other things." And then or if things are not going well then that school's like all right we got to bring somebody else in so now i got to go exactly so <laughs> yeah just because things are going well right now doesn't mean that it will always be that way so um yeah that's a tough one for sure so it's
1: life though you know people come and go you get to learn that lesson early on
0: yes and i think if you're if you're committed to getting better as an athlete, then uh, having a new coach isn't going to make or break you, right? Like,
1: No, you have to learn how to adjust and communicate with different people and connect with different people. Be doing mm-hmm. that your entire life.
0: That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. If you get a, if you get a new job, you're going to have a new boss. Sometimes that boss gets promoted and then you get a new boss or you get promoted. You have a new mm-hmm. boss or sometimes now you're the boss. So you got to You've yeah. gotta be able to make things work in whatever situation you're in. So,
2: yep.
0: so um let's see. Do you have any any really unique uh recruiting stories or um or other unique questions that you've received?
1: Other unique recruiting stories or questions? Um mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> putting you on that,
1: the spot yeah that's no, cool I'm, I'm here for it <laughs> um unique recruiting stories there I remember when I was at um, Marquette University there was a young lady who was a really good player she's one of the top players in the country and she came on an official visit so we have unofficial visits where you pay to go yourself and you go do everything and an official visit An official visit is a situation where the school pays for you to come. Mm -hmm. And it's the coolest thing for student athletes because they wine and dine you and you get to, you know, they drive you on the little go-kart around campus everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And and we, this kid, what you do on on an official visit, you try to do everything to get these kids to like you, right? To, To commit to your school. So I remember mm-hmm. we did some like performance, like this whole dance routine to entertain this 17 year old. You know, you just do whatever you can. And so I had a parent ask recently. So I mentioned that because a parent asked this presentation I was giving how do you know that the coaches are not going to change once you get to campus? Mm. Because her daughter played college ball, and her daughter's official visit was just like that. Like, I want to die you. She said her daughter called her every day complaining that she had to walk 15 minutes from one class to the next. <laughs> 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 she went to this big state school. So, you go on mm-hmm. your visit, and it's like, oh, it doesn't seem that big. But in the middle of winter in the Midwest, oh, this kid was hating it. Yeah. So, and then her coach was like really intense. Of course, over dinner, you're not going to be as intense as you are in between the lines and your contract is on the line. You know, yep. you're not going to be the same person. So it's important that um, parents ask the players what their experience like is like. You can mm-hmm. talk to alumni and if players transfer, there's a lot of kids transferring these days. So you can talk to players who have transferred and say, hey, why did you leave the school to get it? an even broader um, perspective on what's happening there before committing.
0: Sure. Yeah, that that just reminded me. Um, so I got to visit a, a couple different um, strength and conditioning programs when I was in uh, grad school. Mm-hmm. And talking with some of the strength coaches you know, in at these different universities is really funny because mm-hmm. it, it in every single weight room I'd go to, there's always, like, a corner where they've got really, really fancy equipment mm-hmm. that has a bunch of dust on it. And so I'm like, like, what's going on there? And, like, every single time they're like, oh, that's a recruiting tool. We, <laughs> we, we don't use that. But every single other school in our conference has that. So if we don't have it, then huge disadvantage for us so we have to have it just to show and say that we have it but we don't really use it but it looks cool doesn't it (laughs) yeah and it's taking up space and it's collecting dust but Mm -hmm. um yeah there's times where the there's a bit of a facade and if you're not asking all the questions that you've just laid out then you may get a different idea in your head of what a program yes. is actually like so. And,
1: and you know, Kevin, there's a facade on both sides. Sometimes you have kids who be like, "Oh, I love the game, I love to play," and then they see what preseason workouts are, and it it's too much. And you know, so <laughs> for both sides, they're kind of taking a risk. It's like I hope so. Th- this whole scholarship and um, offering kids scholarship is contingent on so many factors. Mm-hmm. you know it's contingent on the fact that you're going to be a good teammate it's contingent on the fact that you're going to show up on time
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, my as a coach how much i really like you is contingent upon your attitude like there's so many contingencies
0: mm-hmm.
1: to determine whether or not your college experience is a good one
0: that's for sure yeah there's a ton of variables up yeah. in the air and if you're not take care and taking care of the ones that you actually have control over mm. then it can be really easy to say oh well this program doesn't doesn't work for me
2: yeah
0: i can't be successful here the coach doesn't like me the other te- the other players or my teammates aren't you know what it's like if you're taking care of your stuff then then you can actually evaluate whether a program is working for you or not so exactly um, but yeah like this this is so awesome just to, to get this insight. Um, This was stuff that I had no idea when I was in high school. I'm sure there's tons of kids, like I work with high school athletes, a lot of whom want to play, you know, collegiately. And um, these are questions that I'm sure they're not asking themselves or, you know, or, Coaches that are recruiting them. So this is going to be immensely helpful. So thank you so much for doing this. This is amazing. You're
1: welcome. I'm glad it's helpful.
0: So um, what's a, uh, a general piece of advice that you'd like to share with anybody who's watching or listening? It can be sport related, life related. What's just I like I like to ask everybody just what's what's a piece of advice that you have? Um,
1: One of my favorite quotes is by Dr. Maya Angelou. And it says, she said, people will forget what you said. They'll forget what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. Mm. And that's kind of how I approach life. I try to affirm people, be good to people, be Mm. really um, intentional and conscious of the energy that I bring to situations and try to, like, dance, you know, life, like we take this life so seriously and um I think we need to have more fun, we need to play more. I love little kids, all they wanna do is play, like they'll spin in circles and and they're <laughs> like elated. So I take cues for them on what makes life satisfying. Mm-hmm. Be good to people and play, just go play more.
0: Play, yeah, do some cartwheels.
1: Yeah, I've never done a cartwheel, <laughs> I've never done a cartwheel, ever. And I won't. Do you want to know why? Tell me. I'm so afraid of falling. I feel like my legs are not (laughs) going to get back under me. (laughs) And I feel like I've aged out of cartwheels.
0: Oh, I don't know about that.
1: Being upside down, that whole thing kind of messes me up. (laughs) I I do that little half cartwheel thing where your hands Mm -hmm. go down and you just like lift your legs to the other side. (laughs) That's as good as it gets, man.
0: Hey, that's a start. That's a start.
1: You know that's the beginning and the end of cartwheels. <laughs> <laughs> that's the
0: start and the finish. <laughs> okay. well, it's uh maybe, maybe they're not for everybody. So no,
1: no. But other people should do cartwheels. If for you are sure. a cartwheeler, do that.
0: Do it. Do those. Yeah, I was just home visiting my uh, visiting my family, um, and my niece and uh, two of my nephews. Um, we were all together, we were watching one of my other nephews uh, play an AAU basketball game mm-hmm. and so my niece and my other two nephews, they like run off, they're by themselves, they're playing, like they don't need toys, they don't, like they're just doing their thing and my niece Anna, she's just doing cartwheels all over the place, like having a great time. Yes. Yes. They,
1: their imagination, Yeah. their willingness to just Enjoy whatever moment they're in. Kids are so present. You know, they're not worried about next year or five years from now. They're just like being kids,
0: yeah, yeah. Being human. That's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I have, I have nieces and nephews, and I'm the I'm the aunt that they build forts with. Like we nice. build forts, and we we have dance parties, and oh, it's, it's a blast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that one. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's good. That helps them to know that as an adult, like you should still have fun. And I think that's helpful for us adults to keep us young and remind us like, yeah, not everything in life has to be so serious. Very true.
2: You
0: got to enjoy it. So, so if somebody wants to reach out to you, ask you a question, um, follow you on Instagram, et cetera, how would they do that?
1: If you want to follow me on Instagram or Twitter, my Instagram instagram name is a lewis underscore speaks so a lewis speaks and my website is angela r to find out more information awesome yep
0: sweet so um i had one more question i, I just thought uh just lost it
1: well Shoot. i want to say one thing so there are high school and college athletes who I reach out to like every week to check in to see how they're doing. And they told me it would be valuable to post um, on Instagram, like daily mentoring minutes. So every day on Instagram, I'll go on and say like put in my story or IGTV and say something that is either a conversation I've had with one of them or something that i have been thinking about as a coach that I wanted to share. So if you're looking for some daily um, inspiration or motivation or insight as a player, hit me up. I'll be your virtual coach.
0: Awesome. Excellent. Well, I'm going to do that right now.
1: Oh yeah.
0: As soon as we finish. So, Amazing. uh, excellent. Um, I just remembered tell us a little bit about being an author.
1: Oh yeah. That I did that too. So <laughs> <laughs> So, I love, I really, really enjoy writing and speaking. And um, my first book came out of a speech that I gave to some high school students when I was coaching at Southeast Missouri State. And I didn't understand the impact of sharing your story until I actually wrote this book. And that the beauty of books is they're timeless. So Mm. now someone can pick up the book and it has it has an impact or they're able to connect to the stories in authentic ways. And so I've published four books, the game changing assist, six simple ways to choose success, the game changing assist workbook. And it's all about helping young people like find a roadmap for their life, which includes gratitude. So it's not mm-hmm. all about like set this goal, short term goals and long term There's no short term and long term goals. It's having a vision for the things that you want for your life and who you're going to become is connecting to mentors, cheer squads and all star team, like having people who can help you. Like, how do you get through those difficult times? That's what that book is about. And then the workbook accompanies it because then you can actually like do the work. It's one thing to like read stuff. It's another mm-hmm. thing to do the work
2: mm-hmm.
1: of helping, you know, bring something special happens when you write it down, you know. And then um, post moves. The Female Athlete's Guide to Dominate Life After College is a book that I'm really proud of. I interviewed 15 women from various sports. Some of them are international as well. And they play college sports all over the country. And they shared their experience. One thing that's missing for college athletes are mentors. Mm-hmm. Is when you when you leave college, who do you have that's gonna speak on your behalf? Who do you have that's a professional besides your coaches and professors who you can call when you need some insight. Mm. So that book aims to really really help with that. And then most recently I published The Fundamental Game Plan, and it's every basketball player's academic and athletic success tracker.
2: Mm.
1: So the idea with this publication is that athletes can build confidence by tracking what they do, by keeping a record of what they do, And by being able to see their academics and athletic um, responsibilities all in one place. Hmm. And so um, there's a shot chart in there. Kevin, imagine this. Okay. Imagine you made 500 shots per week. Okay. Over the course of the month, you've made 2,000 shots. If I, it's November, man. If I make 2,000 shots in November, I'm going to every game in December letting it fly. Like, I'm not questioning myself. <laughs> <laughs> because I know that I've made 2,000 shots. And if I've made 2,000, i probably shot 4,000, mm-hmm. just statistically speaking. So the idea is that we can help young people build confidence by showing them what they've done and the work that
0: they've done. Yeah. My mentor... Uh... He's super big right now on data. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what the data is, then you do not have a realistic or accurate view of what you're capable of or or what a situation actually is. Okay. And it sounds like that's it. That's it. Like, if you're not keeping track of that data, how many shots you've taken, how many shots you've made, then... Mm-hmm. How can you go into a game being confident? Like, okay, well, this is what I'm capable of.
1: Exactly. And what, I, what so. I see happening, especially with girls more so than boys, but yeah, definitely girls more so than boys, is they, they doubt themselves and they question themselves. Mm. And in the middle of a workout, because I would train players, I don't see them get so down after they missed a few shots. So if we start every workout with you making 100 shots. So like from there, you only go up. There's mm-hmm. only one way from there. So up, and they still like a lot of them still um, like question their abilities after you miss three in a row. Well, you're gonna you're gonna miss a bunch of shots. That's just the nature of the game. Mm-hmm. If you're really good, you're gonna miss six out of your ten. Five to six, you're gonna miss them, and that means you're good. So can't get too bent out of shape with missing a couple shots.
0: That's right. Yeah, these things happen. That's life. That's just mm-hmm. part of it. Man so are you true yeah and when you can make those uh, those correlations to aspects other aspects of life
1: mm-hmm.
0: like you're you're setting yourself up for success post-college so I I'm super pumped that um that you've kind of laid this out for you know for college athletes and for um you know athletes post-college like Life doesn't end, you know. Take the mentality that you used to be successful in college, and then just transition it into the next stage of life. Yeah. So. Very true. I think that's so awesome. So, um, thank you so much for doing this. This has been an absolute pleasure. I have really enjoyed it.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you reached out to make sure I was still alive. I appreciate it.
0: Well, it's it's so easy to just be like, ah, screw that person. They missed yeah. an appointment or whatever. But it's like, man, until I know what happened, it's probably best to not assume I know what happened. So okay. it's just – I'm guilty for sure of being, you know, not as considerate as I, as I could be. So I think if we're all trying to be, um, you know – forgiving and considerate and not assume we always know the situation, then that leaves us open to, you know, to blessings that otherwise we'd miss out on. So
1: very true.
0: So thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, thank you for sure. And everybody watching and listening, go follow Angela. And if you have questions, be sure to, to reach out to her. So
1: I'll answer any question. I'll answer. If I don't know the answer, I'll find it.
0: Perfect. That's, that's what I tell my clients. If I don't know the answer, wait, I'll find it. Yep. So awesome. All right. Y'all will stay tuned for the next episode, which will drop next Friday. All right. Y'all take care.